hello, and welcome to another episode of Hot Takes, the sourcing podcast where we see new movies, and then we talk about them with you, the listeners. We create... What analogy do I use today? The hottest take, molten lava takes so hot that they just will burn all your skin because they're so just, oh my god, oh my god, he feels that way about the movie, oh my god, that's what you're going to do for the next fucking hour of this mm, oh this good. <laughs> that's an inside joke uh i the voice you hear is mike burge hi mike i'm robbie hello i'm mike hi robbie hi hi mike uh yeah so this is the podcast we talk about new movies we're not the only podcast we do other podcasts on story screen you should check it out you should go on our website um mike it's a dreary Rainy day on the day on this recording mm. in New York. I'm a little low energy. I'm trying to bring. I'm trying to bring the heat. Oh, you'll get there. Come on, we've all. I done think that. so. I think so. How are you? How are you feeling, Mike? Me? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I got a lot of fun stuff going on this week. We've got the. We're recording this on the Tuesday after Dune has come out. A little bit late, uh, just because we wanted to make sure that we could get everything done that we needed to get done. And luckily, some news broke today too that we'll get to. Yes. Um. That we get to include in this conversation, and uh, yeah, we got we got the scream, scream two, double feature happening as the ending of the Beacon Horror Show Part Seven happening this Friday. Uh, that's going to be fun. I'm painting a bunch of knives all day today, some rubber knives to, to make some glow in the dark knives from scratch. Um, Perfect, and it's going to be a blast. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, I'm watching, um, I'm watching Lamb tonight. With uh, Diana, my my partner, my, uh, so she gets to see my other partner, Ada, my my sweet sweet Ada from Lamb, yeah. and we're also gonna watch uh, the we're gonna double feature because IFC sent me the screener for the new Paul Verhoeven movie Benedetta, the lesbian nun movie. Um, Ooh, the one with the titty. Yeah, on the cover it's of it? got a titty on the cover. Ooh. Of it. And yeah, you guys can you guys show that poster at at Story Screen? I mean, I hope so. Nice. The world's over, so we'll do that. Uh, yeah. So I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Show how, nip. how about you? I'm good, man. Like I mentioned, a little bit low energy, but uh, you know, I just I worked this morning, so that makes me a little tired, and it's been just kind of rainy and stuff. But I am excited to be here. Uh, I went to the eye doctor. Apparently, I can see. Love it. I had no idea. I had no idea. But uh, yeah, I'm getting some new glasses. So that's pretty cool. I'm excited I'm to see them. For that, yeah, they're gonna be. I'm not gonna lie, they look pretty fucking cool. All right, so we'll just yeah, that's gonna be good. But we're not here to talk about my new glasses. We're here to talk about new movies. Uh, sorry, everyone, that we're not talking about new glasses. Uh, Mike, it's a very important movie that we saw. One of the one of the most hyped up blockbusters of the past few years, uh, and a movie from our our sweet sweet boy Denis Villeneuve. Um, we saw Dune. Part one. Part one. Who would have guessed? Uh, we saw the new, we saw the, the new Dune movie. We saw the Dune movie. Uh, Dune just came out. It is a sci-fi action movie. It is an epic. It is, it is crazy. Um, and Mike, I want to hear your hot take on Dune. Right now? If you don't mind. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, this uh, movie uh, fucks really hard. Uh, it's yeah, a great, yeah, it does. great fucking movie. Um, you know, it's Blade Runner 2049 all over again, where 
it's just I am in absolute awe of this movie's style and what it has on its mind and how it's executing things in every single frame at every single moment with a cast that is just absolutely out of control. Awesome. This cast is just made of professionals clocking the fuck in and doing their job. Um, There are some people in this movie that I have loved for a really long time, some longer than others. And it's arguable that some of the work that they're putting in here uh, comparably like where you can actually make that comparison is some of the best work that they've done given the tone of this thing um it's a really hard tone to land and i think that it's landed by everybody involved both in front of and behind the camera this movie rips it's great we should start calling him uh denu uh denuvel dune dune denuvel there maybe go. yeah i don't know maybe. i just made that uh, yeah. up it was hard to get it out um, yeah, no, I'm I'm with it. I'm here for it. Uh, it's a radical movie. Uh, I love absolutely every part of it. I've watched it two and a half times now. Um, I, oh, me too. I really, really like it. Uh, when the credits rolled, I just like kind of freaked out and was just like, "Yes, that fucking that's that's how you do it." Like it's just like it's one of those movies that when it's over, you're just like, "Yeah, that's how the shit is done." Fucking yeah. cash the cash the check and fucking roll on out like that's it like it's it's all it's all over give me the next one yes please num 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 um really like it uh repeat viewings becomes even better you know i think that the epic scope of the thing can be a little intimidating for some people i think that the tone um which is extremely sentimental and sincere and slow by design people will find boring but you know, the old adage, only boring people get bored, especially by art. Um, so, you know, not trying to throw any, like, fists out there, but, like, it, it is what it is. If it's not your cup of tea, that's absolutely fine. But, like, as far as I'm concerned, that's my Earl Grey right there. That is just, like, exactly what I wanted out of a Denis Villeneuve movie. Exactly what I wanted out of a Dune movie. Just enough Oscar Isaac. Um, you know, it's just, uh, there's loads about the movie that I could talk about, but there's just so much in there that it kind of becomes difficult to isolate what my favorite parts are about it. You know, it's just one of those movies where everything about it is really cool to me and interesting. And it just balances out very, very well. And really the only gripe that I have is, you know, the gripe that everybody on the internet is talking about, which is it doesn't really have an ending. It is very much part one of a story. I don't think that that's a negative because now we actually do know we're getting a part two. It was which announced is very, today. very good. Yes. And I think that when part two comes out, I think that that will probably be the more entertaining movie. That's a lot of the big stuff happens in that movie. That's a lot of fun. And people think of when they think about Dune. Um, and I think that this part one will just be this amazing table setting appetizer course of a feature of just like getting you into the world telling you all of the rules getting you into the tone and the feel of everything and developing the story as far as it can go to get you ready for what part two is going to be and i think that the legacy of these movies once they've both been released and they're out there i think they're going to work very very well together and i'm fucking stoked to just watch this one again and again until we get part two mike i agree 100% 100% everything you said. My my hot take is very similar to yours. It, I think this movie 
fucks. I think it's I think it's so grand in scope. I think it's such like Denise, sweet Denise, almost final form and everything he's like evolved up to to this point. So much so that it makes it makes Blade Runner twenty forty nine seem like a small movie. You know, like this movie is just sure. so huge. You know, as like similar as they are, there are a lot of differences too. You know, it's it's yeah. that kind of thing. It's not like he's just. It's not like he's just doing the same old song and dance with this. The no. things that work in Blade Runner 2049 that would work in a movie like Dune, he's bringing them over there. And the things that he needs to change, he changes and he changes them well. He's a good I, director. He's a very he's good a, he's director. An ama- he's an amazing director. I think it's so... I mean, like, listen, it's like every pillar of this movie I just think is executed so, brilli- executed so brilliantly. Like, the aesthetics of the film... You know, we've seen many a sci-fi movie. The cinematographer of this movie did Rogue One and Mandalorian. And this feels so distinct, even compared to Blade Runner, even compared to Star Wars. It feels like it's its own style and it's so distinct from anything else sci-fi out there. While still feeling like uh, reminiscent of just like kind of like the... Uh, like even like the, uh, the pre-Star Wars era, like the pre-blockbuster sci-fi era of, of sci-fi... And and it feels like an extension of that of that world and that and that aesthetic. I think, on a storytelling perspective, I think that the movie is incredibly dense. But I think the way that it doles out its information is exquisite. Like I just want it's like a it's I just want to keep eating it. Even when you see young Timmy watching like videos explaining what the desert world of Arrakis is like, I'm just like I watch a movie of him just sitting there. Being Timothy Chalamet watching these videos, these holograms yeah, about worms, I'm like, yeah, I'll watch that. That's also I don't like fucking care. This movie's so fucking good at dulling out exposition and world building in believable ways. You're just like, yes, yes, you're teaching I me. Like, I feel like every single scene from like a, a shot perspective, like a shot composition perspective. It's perfect. Every fucking frame like in this thing is every, beautiful. It's nuts. Everything it's is thought nuts. out. Everything is brilliant. And I think that like, and you know, I, I haven't read the book, but I, I'm really happy to hear that so many people who really love the book feel like th- th- this is like a very fateful adaptation. Like it really does feel like, you know, even like, I, I know it cuts some things out, but even more so than like other big budget adaptations that we've seen of like epics, adventures, that this one seems to nail both mediums in in really good ways, and and uh, Mike, you sent me the uh, variety video of Sweet Denis breaking oh. down the the pain box. I know it has a, it has a funnier, goofier name, um, and and just hearing him talk about how in love with Dune the book is is like enough to like make you want to cry like it's, it's so, so important so to sincere him. and it's yeah, it's and, what and everybody it, it does through, like right you know like, when taika like taika watizi i'm sure in like you know some stuff although maybe not taika because he's not really full of shit but like you know you get a director who's attached to a big project with a lot of ip and a lot of hype behind that ip they'll be like oh yeah i've read dr strange comics since i was a little kid like I, you know right. so I'm, I, this is like a dream come true for me it's like yeah you want to spin that narrative and stuff and for more or less, those things can be true or just complete bullshit. It doesn't really matter. It's just interesting to know that they were in the right headspace when they were making it, regardless of where they came from. But when you listen to that sweet, sweet boy sweet talk boy. about Dune, you're just like, yo, has this guy, like, fucked Dune? Like, he is just... 
in love with Dune. Like he talks about Dune the way we all talk about Zendaya. Like where you're just like, you're just like, she's great. She's great in everything she does. Even in this movie where she's kind of like existing in like a Terrence Malick short film, you know, it's like, it's a, or as someone put it, like she's in a music video throughout the whole movie. She is. That is actually very funny and, and completely accurate. Um, yeah, you know, I think that he really respects the source material in a really humbling way. Like when he talks about Dune, he talks about certain scenes of being like, "I was nervous going into this," or him being like, "I know I'm not that good, but I know I know how to do this." And he, it's just like you know, he's a creator that like really like knows his limits and also seems like he's very like courageous in the way that he pushes them. And I think he. And, you know, it's not just Denis, right? He has assembled, as directors do, has assembled this just, like, incredible team of artists to pull together just, like, this movie that I just think shouldn't fucking work. No. And it just does so, like, the, you know, the names of the characters are so weird. Oh, yeah. The names of the items are so weird in the movie. It's such a weird movie it's, at times. It's hard it's, sci-fi and it, and they shit. Nail it. They nail it. It's super hard, old-school sci-fi stuff, and it has the confidence... To not shy away from that. It has the movie has the confidence to be like, we are telling Dune in the coolest way possible. It's just like they did. Like they did. It's fucking a thing that I don't really see a whole lot of people talking about that I find to be one of the most interesting things and probably the key to why the movie is one being so successful otherwise, but two, why I'm into it so much, is that it's 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 for how dour and long and drawn out it can feel and seems the movie is genuinely lighthearted it is like a populist blockbuster with mixes of art house kind of genetics in it much in the same way blade runner 2049 was it's very odd obscure ip that has a pretty big cult following but nobody's fucked with for a long time because it's considered to be kind of toxic to try and do anything and But it has within it the possibility to not only show action and thrills in an epic scale and scope in line with what the other installments or the IP actually is, but it also leaves room for Denis to really talk about something and kind of bring something up. Like, I think the conversations that he's having in Dune about uh, legacy and fate and friendship and family and duty and you know just like identity uh, yeah and how we treat each other like it's it's all so very very sweet and that's why he is our sweet sweet boy like a sweet sweet boy. even when you have something like a nasty movie like prisoners or enemy or sicario these are nasty movies but they always have these characters and they always have this heart in them that make them so fucking enjoyable and watchable and stick with you after you're done. Like I could not stop thinking about Dune for days after I watched it. It's just like, it's, I had to watch it. You have to to watch it. I was like, I need to see it again. Yes. It's funny. I I like the idea of you, of you describing this movie as like a blockbuster that has like the injection of art house in it or using art house elements. And I think it's funny that like, Arrival is almost like the inverse of that. Yes. Like Arrival is like a art house independent movie with the injection of like blockbuster mainstream things. I mean, that's kind of what he was doing with Sicario, Prisoners and Arrival is he was kind of taking something that would be it's got stars in it that everybody knows it's sellable. People can market it very well to like different crowds of people. 
but they are art house movies. Like Sicario is more right. of an art house movie than an action espionage thriller. Prisoners is more Day of an art Soldado house movie than yeah, like a family yeah. drama about children being kidnapped and trauma. And Arrival is like you said, Arrival is much more of an art house film than it is like an alien, uh, like close encounter type First of movie. First encounter, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's Denis Villeneuve has has landed in this spot, and I think that it was by the time of Prisoners, Arrival, and even Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I think this was arguable, but the fact that Dune exists as it is and is what it is cements that Denis Villeneuve has gotten the one thing that all talented directors should get at some point, and quite often they don't. And it's the Spielberg thing where everybody wants to work with him now, both behind the camera and in front of. So you are able to get these massive casts and these massive budgets to pull off things that are going to be done expertly by everybody involved because everyone's so good at their goddamn jobs that's involved in the movie. But it's also coming from a place of... We need to tell a good story. It doesn't just need to be entertaining and thrilling. There needs to be something there for to please the mind as well as the eyes yeah. and, and to warm the heart, you know, as well as like chill you to the bone with certain things and excite you. Like, and that's, that's his cup of tea. I think one of like, one of the things that really excite me the most about this movie or really just like fills me with like an energy and excitement that I haven't felt about a film franchise in a long, long time, despite many of them trying to. And it's and it's almost like a cliche. Like, there's this pull quote when you watch the Dune trailer that's like, it's the next Star Wars, it's the next Lord of the Rings. And there's a lot of movies that have tried to be the next Star Wars and the next Lord of the Rings. Many have tried, many have failed. Some have gotten close, depending on your mileage may vary. But I think Dune really captures that epic scope better than any film tri- f- film franchise that has tried before like better than avatar to me better than harry potter better than any of these like really big scope adventures the- these you know modern epics have even come close to i think dune really captured that by like creating a world that's just like bleeds with interest and just like it feels so massive, but like you want to learn everything about it. Like it's like you know when you're watching this thing on the big screen. And you know, I watched it on my TV and I watched it at story screen. When you're seeing it on the big screen, it's just so immersive and it's just like everything. You, I just like I want to know. Like yeah, tell me what you fucking call Sam. I don't care. Tell me about everything. <laughs> this movie, yeah. whatever. And I just think that like so few movies create worlds that are so interesting. Like you know, I think. Not to, like, harp on Avatar, but, like, you know, to Avatar's credits, like, the movie's very, like, cinematically interesting. I think it's, like, core character drama really sells a lot of what the action is, a lot of, like, what the film is. I don't think the Pangea world is all that interesting. I don't think they ever really sell you on, like, why that world should be interesting. Oh, jeez, really? I know. To me, to I me. I mean, no, no, that's and me, that's, you know? yeah, that's a taste thing, because that's, like, that's what the movie was really, like, I kind of agree. That's what the movie's trying to do, It's right? what it's like, trying to do, and, I mean, but, like, you know that people, like, did you ever, you remember like people got like depressed because they could not live in Pangea after seeing Avatar? Like people got like <laughs> like like it was across it's the nation. People were place. just like yeah. actually like depressed and upset that Pangea wasn't real and they couldn't live there. Yeah, it's wild. and I say you know to a certain extent, like I I could say I felt that way with like Harry Potter movies where I'm just like, man, I feel sad that I can't be one of these fucking wizards in this place. Like, I want to live in this place so bad, right? And that's, you know... But the thing is, like... That's the good shit about J.K. Rowling's writing, is that 
She yeah. builds a world with rules and stuff, and you can just live in the words, and it's very easy to digest, and she's also a terrible fucking person. She's a piece of shit. Yep. But I think the thing that Dune does that's, like, kind of, like, well, all those movies kind of, like, score well in other aspects and maybe not so well in certain ones. Like, I really think Dune just hits it all, where it's, like, it's a world. I want an encyclopedia about fucking everything in this movie, and I want to fucking know, which I think is a book called Dune. I think that's what that is. Yeah, I wanna, <laughs> there's, like, like, fucking seven of them. <laughs> Yeah, so I want to know that. And then there's, and then it's like, I want to know everything about all these characters. I want to know everything about this world. I want to wear a still suit and be out in this fucking crazy desert where you can kind of trip sack if you really feel like it. I want to do all these fucking things. Like, I want, like, I love, it's just like every, like, there's not a single thing about the movie it's like I don't like. And like, even when I got to the end of it, I was already, I already kind of heard the criticism, so I was a little bit prepared for the impact of just like, it kind of ends abruptly. No spoilers intended, but it, you know, it, it's a part one. You don't really know it's a part one. They don't really bill it as a Dune part one until you're sitting in the theater. And then it's like Dune subtitle part one. You're like, oh, okay. And uh, and that's fine. But yeah, it does feel like at times it's a little bit of like half of a complete thing, which is not a knock. It's That's just what it is. We know we're getting the second one now. So that's really fucking cool. And yeah, I... And, you know, I think it's, I don't, you know, even want to have the criticism that, like, I feel like a lot of arcs feel incomplete because the arc that has a good endpoint that matters the most is is uh, Paul's, Timothy Chalamet's character. And I feel like he does have, like, something that feels resolved-ish by the end of the first movie in presumably a dual, uh, either a two-part film franchise or a three-part film franchise. I, I hope it's two. I don't want to wait 10 years to see how this shit wraps up. No, it'll be two. I mean, they could theoretically stretch it out to two more if they really wanted to fuck around. And I'd be into it. That's fine. But I like like how this is a part one, part two that's kind of done in the classic way where it's like it wasn't shot at the same time. And there's going to be some major issues with some stuff with that because for the most part, a lot of these people aren't really going to age noticeably. Um but it is going to take some time to make this next movie, not only to yeah. finish developing it, shoot it, and also edit it and put it all together, but it also um, sucks that this movie is already uh, a year behind, you know? So it's yeah. like, instead of it just being two years between these things, like, it's going to be closer to three or four. Yeah, I mean, I know, so Claire, my girlfriend, she read... Oh, right, uh, okay. God. Fucking really, it's for the audience. They don't all know. They, not everyone who listens right, knows. Claire. I get it. Yeah, Claire's listening. And hi, hi, Claire. Uh, hi. Um, she liked Dune. She read right? the book. She she fucking loved Dune. Yeah. But she read the book. She read the book, and she finished like two hours before we went to see Dune. Mm. And so she's been just telling me about just like, and this is what this means. That's what this character does. Because I had a lot of questions after my first viewing of it. Because like the core. You, have you of never what seen? Dune you've is, never seen the David Lynch Dune. I, I was a Dune virgin. Nice. I read the first like 20 pages of the book and I was like, this is cool. It's very dense. And I kind of fell off. She read the whole damn thing. And it's funny. I remember her starting to read the book and then like talking to me about it as it progressed. And when she started, she's just like, it's really dense. It's kind of like, it's a lot of like, you know, names, like descriptions of like things and names of things that are kind of out there. And all things have like many names. It's very dense. And then as she like progressed reading it, I was like, well, how do you, do you like the book? She's like, I fucking love the book. The book is amazing. It's so cool. And sorry, there's something beeping outside my apartment. No, I think it's outside uh, mine. Is that yours? 
Yeah, there's a guy. Oh, it is yours. There's a, there's a guy <laughs> in my neighbor's driveway doing the hand thing. Something's backing up. What is it? Oh, it's a um, it's a rider truck. Okay. Ooh, is it the twelve foot uh, spooky Halloween skeleton? <laughs> um, Halloween? Oh God, who knows what these what these <laughs> jokers are about to do? Um. So she so she's reading, and then she's like, I love the book. And then like as she continues reading the book, she's like, she's just in infatuated with the novel. And it's funny because like as I'm watching Dune the movie for the first time, I kind of had the same thing going on where I'm like. I really dig in this movie. It's a lot to take in. There's a lot of different names and stuff. It's a lot of like a lot of proper nouns happening at you all the time. It's like pretty intense. But then by the end of it, you're just like, I'm enthralled. And then when you watch it again, you're like, I'm so fucking into this. She was surprised though. Cause like in the movie, it's like two and a half hours. It's a long fucking movie. Right. And like, we got to the end of it. She's like, are you serious? Like it's over. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's been three hours. It's been a long like, time. Yeah. It's been a long time. She's like, what? And I, I had to break like, my no pee-pee rule so in funny. this movie. Yeah. I bet you did. I had to. I and, had to. And it's, um, but you know, she was talking to me about, it and like, it was, it was cool having the, her, you know, around to, to talk to you as like, yeah, it's always nice having her around, but like absolutely. as like a reference, absolutely. But as like a reference to talking about the book and stuff, cause she explained a lot of things without spoiling later stuff, but she described it like, you know, this movie is Dune. The book is, three books this movie covers about a book and a half maybe a little bit less so and i think there is a time jump that happens in the book so maybe part two will yeah take place after that time jump like it's like a two-year jump which would mm-hmm. i think put us all in a good place age-wise with all these characters yeah no very true it's, uh, i i i need to i want to rewatch um the david lynch dune because that thing's just so much fun on its own uh, I think you'd be really into that too because it, it is cool so that too. the first half is just very kind of like, you know, it's an abridged version of what we see in here because that's the thing is this movie is allowed to really take its time and just really kind of respect the material, respect the characters and just allow it to grow naturally so it never seems like it's just force feeding all of this galactic nonsense down your throat. In, like just pure in, there are just times they're describing shit like I oh, I keep forgetting what they call like the, the box he puts his hand in it's like the the Gal Jabbar or whatever and I'm sorry people listening that you know what it is and you can scream at you at me all you want I know I'm wrong the pain box but he's putting he's putting his hand in the Wizu Goober and like it's just, and like every time they call something something I'm like fucking what or the uh, the name of the witches which I should know because I said it like four times yesterday in conversation the Bene Gesserit mm-hmm you know, it's just, and it's just like, you know, all these words where it's just like, I have no context for even like the etymology of these words. And then, but luckily they have characters named like Jessica, which is like, well, that's pretty normal. That's pretty normal. So I'll deal with that. Or Duncan, Idaho. It's a cool fucking name. It is a cool name. But yeah, I, I, you know, the movie, I, and I think another thing that is really surprising me about the reception of the movie is that it's really positive. Yeah, for the most part, you got a couple little. Yeah, I think you got a couple little like stinkers out there being like, mm, "That don't taste good," and they're just, Ooh. <laughs> um, and it's like that's fine, yeah, man. You're like, always gonna have stinkers. Yeah, you don't have right? to vibe you know, like, with this like dope ass shit. That's cool. That means you suck. Yeah. Carry on, dude. Go do your shit. Go watch Venom. Let there be carnage again. Yeah. I like that movie too. Uh, Get you a man who does both. Yeah, exactly. Um, like movies. That's the point. But I, you know, this movie, I, you know, I left being like, I really dug it, but like, I feel like it's pretty inaccessible. But I think 
a lot of people are here to kind of do I, the work, you know? I and think, I think a lot of people are digging I on it. I think that Denis... Like they want to rewatch it. I think that Denis Villeneuve learned a valuable lesson from Blade Runner 2049 because you remember him saying... He's like, no one is ever going to let me make an art house like blockbuster again because Blade Runner 2049 wasn't critically received all that well and was not. Well, it was critically received well, but it like, financially, financially did not, not do well. And a lot of audiences yeah. really didn't like it and stuff like that. It's like that's yeah. kind of like it was very divisive on that front. Very negative. People were very negative on it. And this yeah. is like that's why it was such a surprise when he got Dune and you're just like. So if he's going to try it again, is he going to try and tepid down the art house stuff? And I think that he hasn't. I just think that the world of Dune and the IP itself lends itself more to the art house-ness that Denis is so good in being able to work yeah. in. And I and the broad strokes of yeah. the movie are easy to understand. Yeah. You know, like there are these houses. It's a very like... It's, it's Game of it's Thrones. It's fucking Game, it's Game of Game, Thrones. Yeah. It's Game of Thrones yeah. and Star like, Wars, you goddamn idiots. Eat it up. <laughs> you pieces of Fuck, shit. Fuck, man. So I do think like that does a lot of the legwork for maybe... And like, again, like I left the I left the movie being like, I fucking loved it. I have to... Like, you know, no, classic hot takes. We'd leave the movie and go right to the microphone. I'm so glad I got to watch this movie another time and a half. Yeah. Because I was just like, I need to like... And I was like, I want to understand more. I want to understand everything about it because there's just so much there and I need to get it. Yeah. And, uh, and I think I do get a lot of it now and also having Claire to explain certain things and give me some tastes of like what happens, what certain things lead to ish without like going too into spoilies. I thought was good. Um, and help, it just helped me kind of understand the context of things more. And, like, you know, the world of Dune is is cool. Like, it's cool. Even, like, what it sounds like what it is in the books. It's just, like, I see why people fell in love with the books. And it's, it's also cool to see, and we can maybe talk about it in spoilers, but, like, seeing how modern sci-fi and contemporary sci-fi is inspired from Dune. And, like, seeing, mm -hmm. like, watching someone kind of realize what Dune was retroactively and make it and make it modern and seeing just like oh yeah like i can see where star wars got this idea or like where some video games got this idea like it all like so much of it stems from dune you know and that's 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 cool to see with any kind of like modern adaptation of like a of a legacy ip or a really you know an old book it's cool it's yeah it's 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 cool to see it come back in such a way you know you there's been like you know tweets and coverage all about how bookstores across the country both digital and physical are running out of dune books they can't keep them on the shelves in a lot of ways i think a lot of people were maybe introduced to doom through the release of this movie and a lot of people who have been you know kind of putting it off and you know have always maybe considered reading the book now this kind of just gave them the push to do it so it's really yeah. cool it's 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 a it's a neat thing to have happen you know, from for a book that was like made in like, you know, the early 60s and just like to have it and something that was so formative and, you know, just from being around in that time, like, you know, inspired Star Wars and inspired uh, probably things like Blade Runner and uh, yeah. Alien and like pretty much the, any major sci-fi IP, you can probably trace some roots back to inspirations if not just straight up theft from the original Doom books, you know? <laughs> I think, you know, I, I've seen a few mumblings of this, and I would be so jazzed if it, like, actually kind of, like, came to be. 
But like another book that I feel like gets tossed around with Dune and it came out later was a uh, Neuromancer. Yep. And I feel like if if you saw if someone like a like a really formidable creative vision like Denis were to make a Neuromancer movie, people would watch it and be like oh, this is The Matrix. Like, you know, it's like, is this just The Matrix? Or it's just like half the hacking movies that I've always liked. It's just that movie, you know? But I, but now it's like, I, I hope a movie like Normancer can find someone to, to make it. Cause that's like a super, you know, allegedly inaccessible book. I've tried to read Neuromancer. It's very hard to read. Also, maybe I'm making myself sound like a fucking idiot because I'm like, Dune's hard to read and Neuromancer's hard to read. They're they're dense books. And, you know, it's the same thing where it's like, you know, I feel like Dune is a little bit more on the radar because there's been a movie. There's been like a TV miniseries. You know, it's it's this huge collection of books and stuff like that, which Neuromancer also is this huge collection of books. But. It also, you know, it's it hasn't been around as long. That that shit was made in the eighties, and yeah. like you said, like it's it's you can kind of distinguish between Star Wars and Dune because the things that were taken and stolen and stuff like that from other aspects of Dune into other works are minimal. You can kind of just see these broader strokes, whereas Neuromancer has like it, it, it is like, you know, Ghost in the Shell. It is the Matrix. It is yeah. like these movies that are now huge pop culture things. It would be very hard to try and get everybody to disconnect from that and be like, well, no, this existed before that. It's just like yeah. now you have to try and top the Matrix. Good fucking luck with that. It's one of the greatest you movies have to, ever made. You have to, yeah, you have to like reinvent cyberpunk while also making the originator of cyberpunk happen. yes like that's hard to do but i think you know that's in some ways like i think the challenge that dune faced because like you know the the true aesthetics of the film were not i don't think necessarily belonged to Dune. like obviously like i haven't read all of dune but i'm sure dune has like many a brilliant descriptor of the devices and the items and the things in the book but, like, you know, a lot of, like, the aesthetics of Dune, I think, were chosen. And, you know, they feel very modern. They feel very sleek. They feel very of, like, of like modern aesthetics while also feeling classical. So I do think that there's some hope for, like, if someone were to make a Neuromancer movie, it wouldn't just look like Altered Carbon. It would be its own thing. You know, yeah. like, it, they would be able to figure it out. Yeah. But we'll see. I mean, like, I, it makes me excited and it makes me think that, you know, I think in some funny ways that we are ready for even more adaptations of pre-blockbuster era sci-fi stuff you yeah. know and we and we get that like it's, it hasn't not existed but like i think dune pays the way for like one, an exciting that was going to be my new big, venture yeah, that was going to be one of yeah. my big points in here is that this is a very big deal because this is not fucking spider-man this is not batman this is not superman this is a very very um, it's not small because I don't want to be disrespectful. I, I completely respect the IP of Dune and its fans and stuff like that and the legacy that it's had. But it's not, yeah. you know, everybody knows who Spider-Man is and not everybody knows yeah. who Dune is. Who Dune is. <laughs> who is Dune? Who, Mr., who is Mr. Dune? I watched the movie Dune and Dune never showed up. Who's Dune? Which character <laughs> is named Dune? You know what I mean though? It's like, that I completely yeah. agree with you. It's like, this is going to show studios. It's like, hey, you can... You can make these like big epic adaptations of these slightly smaller IPs that have these great followings. And as long as you get the right people involved that will 
be able to pay respect to the original source material while understanding that they are making a movie for general audiences in the year 2021 or on. And that's something that Denis is just so fucking good at. It's something that he just understands and he's so humble about it. It's, it's an extremely, it's an extremely hard task to have. Again, like I, I bring back Spielberg and things like Jurassic Park and Saving Private Ryan, like these movies that should not work in the sense of when they were released and what they were trying to do. And he's just able to fucking smash it apart. And just like, it's, it's incredible. Even yeah. his earlier works like ET, like Raiders of the Lost Ark is a stupid fucking idea. Like if you really break it down, it's a <laughs> dumb idea, but they pull it off so well because they're just so fucking good at understanding. We're going to do this kishy cliche goofball fucking Looney Tunes nonsense, but we're also going to make it really fucking cool. Harrison Ford is super fucking hot. And you want you you want to fuck you him, want that. and it's just you like need to fuck they him. just like shake all that together into the, just this like beautiful, beautiful fucking martini of a movie that you just want to sip and just be like, mm, doesn't that taste good? Doesn't that taste good? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, dude, I I think that I think that just Denis, I think Denis gets it, but I do think it's his. Either humble is the right word, but I think it's even just more like he just has a lot of respect for the source material he's been adapting. And also, I think that he's, you know, a scholar of it in a way that, like, a lot of directors of IPs that they inherit aren't. Mm. You know, like, I think that just goes a long way. It's it, kind of back to your point in the beginning of the podcast where you're talking about, like, you know, you see these directors on the press junkets talking about, like, some of these legacy IPs that they're adapting and, like, you know... It could be it could be them kind of doing some lip service. I'm sure that all of them really dig it to a certain extent, and and we've seen even on some of the biggest IP, people really get it. Like um, uh, the guy who directed Logan, what's his name again? Um, Mangold, right? The movie. Lo- oh, James Mangold. Yeah, James Mangold. Like he's someone who strikes me as like he really gets Logan Wolverine that IP. Like he strikes me as someone who really gets it and wants to elevate it. You know. And I think that there are like plenty of of examples where you've seen big IPs be adaptive people who really fucking get it and love the material. And then also I think we see people who like get it and want to elevate it further past the point it's ever been. And I, I, I respect that too. But I feel like Dune is something that Denis came into and he, he felt awed by as a youngin and he has the utmost respect for. And I think it's like, you know, it's his thing. And he's just like, I'm not going to fuck this up. Like I need to make it. Yeah. He's got that great line in that interview, that vanity fair, that the vanity fair kind of like notes on a scene kind of thing, which I heavily recommend to all of our listeners to check out. It's, it's, it's crazy because it's longer than most. Usually those things top out at like eight minutes. And this is him just talking about, one scene and he's got a lot to say and throughout it he's kind of talking about how he's like he's like I had a couple scenes in the script that I knew that I could pull off the way that I could and some I didn't know what I was going to do so I just tried my best to do certain things and some things I pulled off and some things I feel like I didn't but hopefully people like them and can't tell but you know the pain box you know the uh, the gabagool uh, scene yeah, is is one that he's like absolutely I don't know if that was offensive to say that I'm, I apologize if it was uh, I think it's a pretty funny joke but I do apologize if I hurt anybody's feelings out there um, I know we're still very fresh off of uh, the many saints of new works fucking sucking called that shit um, I think some people liked it 
I bet they. I, I never watched I, the Sopranos. I, 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 I bet I they fucking no, did. I have no horse in this. Yeah, race. I, I have not seen all of the Sopranos either. So you know, I'm a loser. Fuck me. Um, you know, uh, fair enough. I, I am to many Saints of New, uh, Newark, which I have not seen, as some people are to Dune, and I go, mm, that don't taste good. Mm, that don't taste good. Yeah, we're gonna have to stop doing that pretty soon. We'll just get it all out in it's this an episode, and then joke. we'll be done. Yeah, we'll be done. It is. It, if you didn't listen to the last podcast, you, you don't do know what's going this. on. You but I think they can, also there's not a whole lot to get, so it's kind of. <laughs> Um, I don't know the lore of that joke. Runs it does, uh, but yeah, he, like the you know the the pain box scene was one thing. He's like, I nailed this. This is exactly what I needed it to be, and it all works like this. And it's a very very interesting video, and you can see his kind of decision making process in directing and staging and like talking to the actors and stuff about what to do in that scene and Hans Zimmer's score and the sound effects and stuff like that, like. You watch that scene and you you get a much better understanding of what Denise and everybody else involved, what their intentions were throughout the rest of the movie. You know, it's it's just yeah. a good clear cut example of like, this is what they had in their head. This is what they were going for. This is how they executed it. And this is what you got. And you can copy paste well, that onto yeah. the rest of the movie and all those other sequences. For sure. It's because like that scene is the most like bare bones of like, it's the most bare bones of all the frills that the movie has, which is many. It is a scene that is predicated on strong performances, amazing staging, incredible cinematography, incredible sound design, incredible lighting. Like it's, but like it has to be these core tenets. And that's why that scene fucking works because every single one of them is ten out of ten. And the t- the tenacity like, like, of casting Charlotte Rampling, one of the greatest fucking actors alive right now, and just hiding her behind a veil. And he talks and he talks about it. And I remember when I was watching, I was like, I cannot believe that that is Charlotte Rampling, and that they are just hiding her behind this fucking thing because it works so fucking well, but it's insane that you would hire that person and not have them fully out there. It's like shit that Christopher Nolan does with having Michael Caine be the voice on the airplane in Dunkirk. You're just like, what are you fucking doing? But it works, and it's great, and he brings it up in the video. He's just like, the veil just looks so fucking good, and she's hidden behind there, and it it presents this better idea of like, you know, the outside world is caged from her, but then she becomes, is she more encaged within that? Like, it's just so good. And he's a great director and I just love him so much because it enhances the performance. Like you hide her because the performance is the thing you get to see. Yes. 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 That's, and that's, that's a thing that only someone who is like, so fucking Ah, knowledgeable about the game can get, you know what I mean? Like, that's why he does that. Like that's why, like someone who has the confidence to be like, yes, one of the greatest actresses of all time. Cover her in this veil. Let the performance show the power. Yes. Let the performance shine through. Like that is smart shit. We have to get. We into have spoilers. to. I was just. I was like, we have we, to. Let's it start. Is, it is talking time about shit. About the movie. Uh, we're gonna go a little long on this one. It is Dune. It's a big deal. We fucking love this movie. We're gonna be right back to talk about specifically why. We love this movie so much. If you haven't seen Dune yet, Mike, we recommend it. Right? Major recommend. Just Watch it on a big screen if you can. The biggest one. This is something, like, if you're uncomfortable going to a theater because of everything going on, this is something where you hop on your phone and you find a bunch of friends and you rent out a fucking theater. Fucking do it. Just make it happen. Bl- like, yeah. blast the money on there and just fucking make it happen. You need to see this thing for the first time on the big screen. It is that type of movie. Yes. It is fucking crazy. 
It is awesome. Go catch, you know, an 11 a.m., you know, uh, on a fucking Tuesday when there's barely going to be anybody there so you can get away from everybody. Like, you, you need to do it. Yeah, you have to do it, seen. and then yeah. go right on HBO Max and watch it again. Like you just need to. It's a two and a half hour movie, and I'm telling you, if you vibe with this movie in even the slightest way, and it entertains you, you are going to want to watch it again immediately. Yeah. It's good. I'm it's ready good for my movie. third. I'm ready for my third view. Yeah, I'm like, upset I'm that like, I didn't like, finish I'm my like third one yet. Up. I'm like, let's fucking go. I'm ready to watch it again. I watched. I watched the first one with like you know. I went to the movies. I watched it. Mm-hmm. Claire came over last night. Oh, I was okay. already watching it, and she was like, Shut up. <laughs> and she was like, and she was like, oh, I was like, you want me to restart? She's like, I don't want to make you do that. I'm like, I'm gonna restart it because I, yeah. I was like, I'll watch yeah. it. I don't care. You want to come over, I don't Dune care. and chill? Like, let's let's do it. Yeah, we're yeah. doing it again. Yeah, and it was we're doing it, was it again. Dune and chill. It was great. We're doing we're doing it again. All right, we'll be right back with spoilers for Dune. We're gonna talk about who dies and why we like it. Hey guys, Mike Burge popping in here real quick along with my good friend Robert Anderson. Hey, and we wanted to just come in here right now. Uh, we feel like the Dune episode is the right time to announce completely on the public feed what we've got going over on our exclusive content feed. Um, as you may or may not know, Story Screen uh, presents also hosts exclusive content podcasts. Uh, as well as articles and some videos and stuff uh, over on our exclusive content page, which you can go to storyscreenbeacon.com. And for a measly, a meager, a small opposite of Dune amount of money a month for $5. <laughs> we did not, we did not script this. Uh, that's just how we do over here um, for five bucks a month. You can gain access to a load of awesome podcasts that we've already been recording for almost two years now, as well as new features that are coming up. Robbie and myself have done um, a John Carpenter retrospective miniseries called stalking Carpenter. We went through all of John Carpenter's movies. More recently, we did a, a show called eight bits where we went through uh, some uh, video games that have been adapted into movies or TV shows of note that we wanted to cover. And, you know, there's also the Colette stuff that I do with uh, Bernadette Gorman-White, where we uh, cover the entire, the entire filmography of one Tony Colette. And as well as Movie Daddy, my Spielberg retrospective series that is in article written form for all of you readers out there. And a bunch of other really fun podcasts, little mini series and stuff like that here and there. Um, also the right stuff, which, uh, which is what we, me and Bernard Gorman White did, uh, covering all of the films of Edgar Wright before we did the Colette stuff. So we have a new series coming out. Uh, it's going to be starting in December, uh, with Robert and I, and it's called, hey. it's called, um, the sweet, sweet Denis cast. And we're going to be covering all of the directorial films of Dune's very own Denis Villeneuve. Uh, all the way back to his uh, lesser known guys, all the way, way back at the beginning. And then through a lot of the movies that we've already discussed uh, very briefly today, such as Enemy, Prisoners, Arrival, Sicario, Blade Runner 2049, all the way leading back up to a distant in the future recap going back on Dune. Um, And so that'll be starting in December. This episode is posting 
October 26th. And because we try to put that out on the first of every month. So for November, we are going to be taking a break because we're going to be watching four movies for the first episode of the Sweet Sweet Dini cast. Uh, so to get ready for that, I thought, and Robbie does not know about this, and we'll see if he's into it. First time. I thought that it would be a good idea, given the conversations that we're having right now, uh, to watch David Lynch's Dune from 1984 (laughs) and watch that and have a discussion about that. Now that you've seen Denise take and you haven't seen it before, it is a very, very interesting movie to talk about. David Lynch is a very interesting filmmaker to also talk about. Um, well, I thought that might be a really good way to have just one movie and, you know, the, the world is doing crazy right now. Um, what do you think about that, Robbie? I think that's a great idea. You know, I am not really familiar with Lynch at mm-hmm. all. So I think it'd be fun for me to just kind of kill two birds with one stone, see an OG Dune and see a Lynch. I think it'll be interesting to have kind of the inverse where it's like, you know, I had seen the original Dune and now I watch this one. Now you've seen this one and then you're going to watch the original Dune. So we'll kind of have this mirroring quality for a conversation. I think that'll be really cool. So yeah, it's a fun bookend, right? Uh, So I think think that, uh, so for all of you out there, Listening to this episode, if you guys like what we're talking about with Denis Villeneuve's Dune, uh, then no better time than now to hop on over five bucks a month and you get access to all these other crazy podcasts and articles that we already have up there and you gain instant access to new ones as they come out. You know, we post two podcasts a month plus one article a month at the very least, and we try to keep up with that as much as we can, I promise. Uh, And I think that you'll be really into it. And of course, you know, if you don't dig it and you don't like it and you just want to listen to the Dune one because you're a real big freak, you could just do that and then just cancel. And that's fine. That's it. You know, that's it. You can you can just Dune that. Yeah. So go to storyscreenbeacon.com, click on the members page, and you'll see our basic tier uh, for exclusive content, $5 a month. You sign up for it. We get your email address. You make a login account, gains you access to our entire page. If you're not sold on it by this point, you can just go to storyscreenbeacon.com, click on the members page, and click exclusive content, and you won't gain access to all of it, but you will see what we have. You, there's a public page that has the listing of every exclusive content article and podcast that we have on there. So if it looks like something that you'd be into, um, you can get it and it would be a massive help and support for us. You know, we love doing those exclusive content feeds. We get a little bit more wilder on some of those episodes and stuff. So if you like what you're hearing now, you're going to love what you get over there. You're going to love the way you look. And that's it. That's the commercial. Back to the episode. And welcome back to Spoilies for dune mike we spent a lot of the podcast talking about just how much we like dune in broad strokes it's big concept ideas it's it's vague the the vagaries we kept for its moments what are some things specifically that really struck you about dune I think it's really interesting that a character named duncan idaho is played by a person named jason momoa it is crazy. Those are both very fun names. <laughs> Those are both very fun names. I feel like one is more is is like the the reality of the name is almost crazier than the you know like you have Zendaya playing Chani. It's just like yeah, it checks out. Those yeah, and Zendaya names. is Chani. They're both mm-hmm. weird. Zendaya is Chani, but then like Timothy Chalamet, Paul Atreides is almost like a more normal 
name. Paul. Right? Mm-hmm. Paul. Paul. That's like one of the things that struck me about the movie is just like how so many of the characters, like the, the the ebb and flows between like characters named like Jessica to Baron Vladimir Harkin mm-hmm. uh, or Gurney Halleck. It's a great <laughs> you know, fucking like name. It's, the, well, the thing is, the movie has like really good normal people name and then also really insanely good sci-fi names as yeah, well. Like so Beast does, Robin. Both. Yeah. Thurfer Howitt, Stilgar. Shout out Max Mapes. Peter DeVries. Jamis. Yeah, they're fun names. Ben A. Jester at Sister. Uh, um, I want to talk about, please. right off the bat, because you can't really talk about it too much in a non-spoiler conversation. I want to talk about this movie's secondary MVP in my mind. I think Rebecca Ferguson is this movie's MVP. I think that she is phenomenal in this goddamn movie. And I did not expect her character to be so captivating just because I was probably still used to, you know, the version of that character that you get in David Lynch's Dune, which is not bad. Well, she, it's just... It, she's also not really in the trailer. She's not really she's in not the really trailers, in, but And it yeah. very much is a two-hander between... Rebecca Ferguson and Timothy Chalamet for the most of this movie. But I want to very briefly talk about our boy, our daddy, Oscar Isaac. I think that Oscar Isaac in this movie is so fucking good. He's giving it exactly what he needs to give it. It's it's almost a thankless role in the sense of what it means and what it needs to be. He gets like one really big good scene that he doesn't even really get to it's probably a dream for an actor to be able to do a scene like that, given just like a lot of it's emotive and stuff. When we're talking about his death scene, um, you yeah. get to see him just like splayed out like the slab of meat that he is in this amazing <laughs> uh, scope, just fucking a great shot of just like, you just want to yeah. like pour fucking honey all over him and just like, Oh, I'm so sorry to get honey on you, daddy. Let me, let oh, me, let me get it off. Let me get that off for you real quick. You know, it, it's a, uh, and that scene, you know, Oscar Isaac is partnered with Stellan Skarsgård as like the big baddie who is just like oozing, having the greatest time in the fucking world, bringing this character yeah. to life. You know, the, the prosthetics might have been a little bit intense and stuff like that. So maybe he wasn't the most comfortable thing it, in the world, but. Oh, well, that's fair. But he, yeah. he looks great and he's really bringing it to the table. And it's just in scenes like that. Which I was talking about before is just like everybody is just bringing everything to the table in this. I think everybody understands how big of a deal this is, how big of a movie this is going to be, how it all really rests on the entertainment value of the performances and the scope of the thing. And that's just a scene in particular that is just like I was really looking forward to seeing that scene because that scene in David Lynch's um, Dune is also uh, really, really fucking cool. Mm-hmm. I love I, I really like that scene too it's certainly a standout and you know I love the the whole composition of that scene and again it kind of goes back to why I really like the pain box scene as well or why I think the pain box scene is like displaying all the strength of filmmaking that happens in this movie when you're looking at uh Duke Leto Atreides death scene you have him sprawled out almost like it looks almost like a like a painting, almost like a Victoria era painting mm-hmm. when you just see like the, like the still of him 
sprawled out in the chair, laying backwards, and then we cut to the bullhead over him. His the his grandfather or his father was a bullfighter, died from bullfighting. We see that displayed above him, the bull's head. So we have kind of like the two generations of uh fathers dying at once in a way. We have the whole house of you know the house of Atreides is all it becomes extinct after this scene. You know, this right. is this is like the final you know, except for for Paul who and Paul and Jessica who kind of live on with the name and with the house. Yeah, it's it's like the the um, the the amazing thing about like that shot of the the bull head and you know because he was already talking about to Paul, uh, you know Duke Leto was already talking yeah. to Paul about like yeah well look what that got him like he would do all of that stuff and it was meaningless and it cost him his life and in that moment he's kind of realizing like this is the same fucking thing we're fighting over a planet. And we've yeah. been screwed over and all of this has just been meaningless and it's for nothing. It gets no one anything except yeah. for these people that have just been pulling the strings. And it's just like kind of shows how everything that he's taken as being so important, the politics of everything and being a good person and understanding the balance between doing what's right for the family and doing what's right for the people that they're coming in and invading in a way like it, it, it none of it matters because the universe is just filled with these dastardly deadly fates that will find you one way or the other. And it's, and it, it, it sucks. And it's a really kind of sad, deep moment. And we find a character who's like, you know, he's, he's the leader of this Royal house. He's being betrayed by this galactic government who put him there because of his strength only to have, the Imperial Army and the Harkonnen take it away from him to create this like power vacuum for the spice. And I think what's interesting is like, you know, the movie presents like seeing that scene at this point, like you're only rewarded for your ability to be understanding and paying attention to the movie. Cause it's like all the things you're describing, it's like, despite it being this adaptation, despite it like having the opportunity to create such fan service for it being from something that has source material, this is all in the movie. This is all there, you know, like, we hear about the bullfighting early on in the movie. So when we see images of bulls, we know what it means. We're learning about some of these uh, galactic power struggles that are happening in the film. And if you're paying attention, then you kind of know what it means. And these are also some of the things that like on a first viewing, there is, I just don't think there is any way to absorb all this information. Like these are some of the things you really can gleam on, on the second run of the film you know like it is there is just so much going on and i think that um to talk about the baron again for a moment like i love i fucking love his movement you know his like floatiness and stuff and like we get it when we first are introduced to the character you know we see him or maybe the second time we're introduced or the second time we see him he does that like cool we learn that he like kind of like levitates and he floats but i think the scene with my dune but i think the scene um where he's talking to Oscar Isaac and he's like about to kill him or about to be try to be killed by Oscar Isaac. Um, there's a really, just a really amazing camera record that happens where it's framed where only um, the Baron's midsection and like bottom of his mouth is showing. So when he moves in the scene, we as the audience already know his, like the way he locomotives throughout, like how he moves and to just see him be the only thing that moves without steps, like just kind of like, dollies around is so unsettling and that's something that's like doesn't take a ton of like special effects or crazy cgi to do like that's just like really good framing really good blocking and really good information that's doled out and like that's 
that's I think the thing there's a there's a Christopher Nolan quote that came out recently where he's singing the praises of this movie and he's talking about how it's like the perfect marriage of like special effects and like practical photography and I think that's like so true because like a lot of the things that really work in this movie and a lot of the things that really sell the sci-fi of this movie isn't just really good CGI yeah. it's it's a lot of just really good filmmaking mm-hmm. like I'm not saying a ton of this movie is practical that's not what I'm trying to get at, but a lot of like what works about it and what sells yeah, it. Some of the most interesting, in the, the, the most in interesting, the sweetest things about it are practical because they're tangible and you can mm-hmm. hold on to them. The same thing with the, the way that they edit, how people are like taking control of with the voice and stuff, not even just like the sound effect of the voice, but like how it kind of zooms out, out of focus and blacks out and zooms back in into focus. And all of a sudden yeah. you're in a different spot. Like that's all, that's all just like, blocking framing and editing and sound design to just create this really otherworldly mysticism that kind of leaves you in awe and kind of makes you a little afraid of it. Yeah. I lived with this one kid in college and uh, he was a super, he's he way smarter than me and he was like a lip major. And he talked about how in Lord of the Rings, the way that they like conveyed magic and the, and the way like the books did magic in Lord of the Rings, it's like there wasn't like special glowing lights or magic. It kind of just like, happened Mm -hmm. like magic was just something that kind of like altered reality and i feel like that's like why the voice is so good because it's not like something that's like super showy or super crazy it just does Mm -hmm. like it just works and that's like really like the magic of it and i think that's like how like magic in this movie functions and i think that's really cool where it's like it's so much like born from the mind and it's like not tactile and that's part of its magic like it's not something you can touch and that's what makes it magic it's not something that you can see and that's kind of what makes it magic like i think that's really interesting and i feel like a lot of a lot of movies don't have the confidence to like do the concept of magic in that way like it's usually very showy and glowy and there's a place for that you know and that's something that like i think star wars always really nailed to a certain extent before it kind of got a little crazy with it but like the force was just something that like it was you know telepathic and like it was easy to film because it's just like we just have to find a way to move a thing without someone touching it you could do that with filmmaking pretty easily to a certain extent and i like that totally 100 did you did you um did you ever read preacher no i have not so i I mean you didn't watch the show i did not so preacher uh the there's like a concept very similar to the voice because there's this character who's a preacher and he's endowed with the voice of God. And basically, if he tells you to do something, you just have you're compelled to do it. Preacher is also written by the guy who wrote The Boys, so mm. you can imagine that he asks the people he's trying to fight to do some like dastardly shit. But that's just like one example of like things that like have to be inspired from Dune that's in <laughs> like other media, you know, like 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 something like like that like that concept from Preacher, the power of the voice, like has to be from Dune. Like, without a doubt in my mind, now that I've seen Dune, it's like, that has to, that's like a direct pull from Dune, like 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the, the Dune is everywhere, you know? And it's like, I, I, I think that it's interesting, <laughs> especially someone like you, who, you know, is so um, handsome and just like, thank you. Yeah, uh, you know, you, you're just like, you're so enveloped in the world of movies and TV shows and pop culture and stuff like that. So like when you see something like Dune, you're, you're seeing like the genesis of a lot of these things that you've already come to understand through other mediums that were inspired by this IP. And that's always fun because like, yeah. it's cool to see where things come from. Yeah. It's, it's, that's one of the most interesting things about music, you know, is that 
you can listen yeah, back sure. to music you know from like you know a hundred years ago and you're just like that's what pop music is now like it came from that yeah i mean it reminds me of when i when i saw like something like psycho for the first time or even like you know i saw a taxi driver for the first time i was like that's what the joker's about uh i saw taxi driver before the joker that's what he's (laughs) Um, he's doing yeah that's what it's all about but yeah or like you know when i first saw like halloween or even watching all the carpenter movies when we did that like retrospective series plug um you know i was just kind of like oh i could see where like a lot of like you know where this bore fruit for a lot of creators like later yeah and especially with carpenter yeah that was that's huge yeah I mean, there's a scene, you know, the the Star Wars, the, the Star Wars kind of like commercializing Dune to a certain extent, like like the world of Dune in some way, like making the modern sci-fi blockbuster, even though it's like a lot more like fantasy inspired, but that's like, you know, hand in hand in some ways. But like, there's a scene where Paul is like flying through the sandstorm with Jessica and then they're in like the, the Thropper. I think it's called the Thropper. Um, the Dragonfly Helicopter. Mm-hmm. And he has a vision that's like telling him to kind of like let go, to like kind of relinquish control. And it, it reminded me so much of Luke Skywalker yeah. uh, in the first Star Wars movie when he's like he's he has to be told to like not use the targeting contru- not use the targeting computer to trust to like shoot the proton torpedo. I was like these scenes are so similar about like relinquishing control and just kind of like letting fate guide you and having faith in that way. And that's like you know one of the core tenants of this like super sci-fi movie that also is dealing with things that are even fantastical like magic and like destiny and fate and things like that. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think an easy thing to say about the movie is that it has a lot on its mind for sure, but I do think it handles its intellectual weight very gracefully. 100% agree. Yeah. It's, I think, and I think that's why uh, a lot of people are kind of like, there's nothing going on here. There's no depth to this. It's all just, you know, like it, it's all just like epic scale and scope for its own like entertainment value. Like there's no characters. And I'm just like, I don't know what movie you watched, man. I cannot, that's, that's I fine. I not disagree. If that's more. how you yeah. felt. But like, that's <laughs> wild because there's I think all of these characters are very simplistic in what they need to be to service the story. But that doesn't make them badly written and it doesn't make them badly performed. And I think it all just kind of eggs up to what the movie is, you know, and what Denis is attempting to talk about and discuss in this, which is what the book talks about, which is again, like legacy and faith and destiny and purpose, identity, like things and everybody, like it's, it's affecting everybody and like what your purpose is in these grand, like mechanisms of politics and, and, and planetary galactic war, like what, what one person can actually be in all of these things. And, and it's interesting and it's entertaining and it's captivating and it's, it's done very well. It's the movie is epic in what it's showing you, but it's also epic in what it's telling you. Um, That's a good movie. Yeah. The fact that they can utter desert power three times. And I'm just like, this is a little funny, but I'm, but it's good. Especially the last time they say, you're just like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah, well, like the last one is kind of what's like because I remember the other times when Oscar Isaac says, that, "I'm just like this is a little fucking silly." I don't like again here for it. It's a little fucking silly. But the last time when Paul kind of mentions that he's like desert power, it's like, all right, like the movie kind of did its legwork to be like, yeah, the Fremen is desert power. Like making this alliance with the Fremen is desert power. And I also think like, I think it's an interesting interpretation you had 
of Leto's character on his, on his death scene and kind of like being under the bone being like, this is all for naught in some ways, or I'm chasing kind of the same thrill or yeah. purpose that his grandfather or that his father was like facing. But it's I the do meaninglessness think of the end. It's when we're all, when but we're all do... faced with the end, you are forced to kind of yeah. look back on what you're, what you've done and what you're doing and what led you to this. And was it all worth it? But it's funny. Cause I do think Paul's interpretation of not so much his father's death, but his interpretation of something like desert power is him being like, my father believed in this alliance with the Fremen. He believed in not trying to conquer, but to create alliances and to create bridges. And Paul, you, you know, he takes that and he's, he, 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 he kind of takes up his father's mantle in the sense of just like being, you know, not a ruler, but like a co-collaborator or someone who will, who will work with the Fremen. And I do think like, you know, in, in the future in some of the movie, he's going to be learn how to do desert shit, which is probably going to be fucking cool. And I am really, you know, we didn't talk too much about like the, the Fremen, the, the, the natives Mm. to Arrakis, to Dune. And, you know, I do like, I love how mysterious that sect of characters are. And that, you know, the things that we glean from them is just that like, you only see a few of them. They are incredibly capable, and rumor is there's a lot more of them than you fucking yeah. think. And like, I love like that, and like, and that's the thing. Like, that's desert power because they are like secret. Like, that's mm-hmm. like the power. Like, if you like, if like you, if you try and conquer these people, it's kind of like fruitless. It's like a fruitless endeavor. Like, you can you can get all the spice, you can harvest all the spice you want from their planet, you can take all you want from the planet, but if you can make an alliance with them, you can make like this trust with them that is going to be way more fruitful for, you know, by, by, by using peace as an extension and diplomaticness to be a diplomat by extension, like that will bear more fruit than, than by conquering, you know? And I think that's like, that's like, that's like something the movie is like dealing with on its mind. And like, also it's like, you know, kind of being, you know, spitting in the face of like imperialism and stuff like that. Like I love that the movie deals with that. And also like, even, this movie even has time to like flip gender roles on its head by like, you know, Paul's real, like, um, you know, it seems like Paul's real purpose is to, is, is the fact that he's uh, Jessica's sons, not uh, the Duke's son, you know, like it's the fact that he is maybe the space Messiah, which is a legacy bestowed to him from his mother, not from his father, you know, like it's, it's cool. Like, you know, the mo- the movie just like is like twisting and turning so many things, which like, you know, it's from the book. So it, maybe it's not like totally original in some of its design, but it's like in a mainstream platform. It's different. It feels so it feels original. different. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, you know, the 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 idea of what they're kind of talking about in Dune, both the movie and the book is that, you know, war is not the way. But in a world where war already exists, sometimes that's the only way. Because now that it's been shown that you can go to war and you can do this, that's what lesser factions will attempt to do in order to seize power. And Duke Leto is attempting to utilize war and politics with the way that he's been raised with this different way of going about it. And and it backfires on him in much the same way that a lot of these, you know, many families and battle of thrones kind of stuff usually tend to play out. Um, I do love like on the, on the Thremen, like the, I do love the moments in this movie that I refer to as R2 tippy toes, 
um, which is they, they'll okay. do funny things. If you remember in The Empire Strikes Back, there's a scene where R2-D2, outside Yoda's hut, stands up on his tippy toes to be able to look in to the the house to see what Luke and Yoda are doing. And it's something that you don't need. And it's something that, you know, probably took a little bit of effort to like be able to make the R2 robot do that. But it's done because it's just such a goofy, fun little thing that lightens the movie. And I think that like Javier Bardem, when he first shows up, like just walking straight up and like they're not slowing him down. And then he just like spits and they're just like, how dare you? And it's like, no, thank thank you very much for your hydration Sir, this is the thank you. And then they all just start spitting as well. And you're like, this is fucking funny. That's like, it's not laugh yeah. out loud, you know, Seth Rogen's being like, <laughs> like, it's not like that, but it's like, it's funny and it's lighthearted and it makes you like these characters. I think they're very smart yeah. with how they dole out, um, you know, the threm and then like how they're like because they're saving them for the for the second one they they want they want you to know these people are capable there's a lot of them they dress really cool they know what they're fucking doing they got awesome eyes and they're really good at fighting you just get a little bit of them speckled throughout a little bit more of them at the end and you're like you're going to learn much more about this culture in the next one because that's that's how you get people to come back for the next one yeah again like that scene you just described like it's so smart because like they don't add comedic elements when you're seeing the Baron or the Harkonnen because like, you're not supposed to like them, but you know, they're communicating when you see this, like when you see um, Javier's character, Javier Bardem's character, like you're like, you're supposed to like, he's Fremen. You're supposed to start digging on the Fremen. Like you're supposed like you as an audience member are like, you are meant to like this character. He's going to be, he is gruff. He's coming from a position of altercation but you're meant to like him. And then like, you know, his whole, and again, like we're describing another moment in this blockbuster action movie that is one room, a scene of people talking. And that's really all that's going on because those are the things about the movie that like sing so well. And luckily, like it also has good pew pews and explosions, less pew pews, more like sword swipes, but you know what I mean? Cling clings. Um, and like I, I and I love like it's, I love that about the movie and like I love, I love that scene so much. That that scene is is also brilliant because there's just so many good like moments where it's like there's the comedic moment of it. There's him kind of being like, uh, "That's all I have to say to you, goodbye." And it's like really him being like, "That's all I have to say to you, fuck you." It's him kind of being like, "All right, uh, I gotta go. I'm done. I got, so, I got, know, got a lot done? to do. Oh, I got a lot on the I plate today. I got. I'm so." I'm so fucking busy. <laughs> I have to go. And then he has that line where he sees Timmy and he's just like, I recognize you. And that's just like, mm, so fucking tasty. Yeah. That's such a tasty fucking morsel of dialogue. And like, this movie's just filled with shit like that, man. Like, it's just, it's mm. a good fucking movie. It's a good fucking movie. Uh, Mike, do you have any other like big, I mean, I, we can talk about this movie for six more hours. We can, but, uh, you know, I feel like we'll talk about it more. On the uh, exclusive content page, especially when we're talking about David Lynch's Dune and as well as when we revisit it a few months down the line after going through Denis Villeneuve's filmography. Um, You know, it's just I feel like we got a lot of the stuff that really makes sense to talk about with this movie, even in the spoiler uh, free section, because it really is. It's a mood piece. It's not about what happens. It's about how they pull off what's happening and how it makes you feel. You know, that I think that, again, I, 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 the cast is absolutely insane, not just on 
a talent level, but just like on a diversity level, like this cast is just loaded to the brim with just people from all walks of life and gender, race, and creeds. It, it, it's it's absolutely mind boggling. It's everything a, a an outer galactic space opera type movie should be. It should be representative of a lot of different people. And that's all throughout this thing. And that's kind of Denise like big thing too, is just like, he's just such a sweet, sweet boy in that way. And I'm excited to see, you know, there's characters that are mentioned in this one that are not in it, that could be in the second one, you know, so I'm excited to see like, yo, who's going to play the emperor, if the emperor is going to show up and stuff like that. And yeah, it's, it's just, there's so much about it that's makes that gets you so excited for the second one, you know, and I'm just excited to watch it again. The more I talk about it, the more I think about it. I'm just like, I want to watch that thing again. You know, it's just like, it's like putting on a on a record that you just listen to over and over again. It's like the movie equivalent of that, where you're just like, every, t- like I've watched it two and a half times now. And every time that I'm watching a scene, even if I've already seen it twice, I'm noticing things about it. That's what makes a good movie, rewatchability. That's what makes it, it's going to last longer than just anything that, you know, just like kind of pops up and is a big deal for a couple weeks until the next big thing comes. Like, I think Dune, much like Lord of the Rings and much like Star Wars is going to be this thing that is kind of holding the the, the pop culture uh, mindset for quite a while. And, you know, if Denise coming back and doing the second one and... They're going to pull off like what their grand plan is. I don't have a doubt in my mind that they're going to pull it off very, very well. Even if they make the movie half as good as this one, it's still going to be a pretty goddamn movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I totally agree. I think that I th- I'm i excited by the prospect of a Dune 2. It's always scary to like, you know, you leave something off and now you kind of like, you know, they don't have to start from scratch to a certain extent, but like, you know, they have to you know, how do you capture that magic in a bottle? And, you know, we've seen it be done before. We, we'll see it be done again. I think I have all the confidence. And in I mean, the guy hasn't made a bad movie. That's the thing. You're just like... The guy, haven't, the guy hasn't made a bad fucking movie, man. And the thing is, like, you know, in video games, when you have a really good game that comes out, a lot of people are like, it's really good. I can't wait to see what they do with the sequel. Because the implication with games so much so is like, you're going to make another yeah. one because it's so successful. You can say the same thing about movies. And the interesting thing about games is like, the the second game kind of comes out at a faster clip because it's like, all right, well, the video game engine for this game is done. The mechanics are solidified. We know what the art design of a lot of this is. So we're just kind of building on that. So instead of taking five years to make this game, the, the sequel takes two years and it's the things you really like about it, but it's refined, you know, Assassin's Creed to Assassin's mm-hmm. Creed two. It's like, it's really good, but it's tweaked in a way where it's like, now we're really highlighting the things that audiences really fucking liked about yeah. this thing. And I could see Dune being very similar where it's like, there's so much about this movie where it's like, it ain't broke. Don't fucking fix it. Almost the whole thing is just like, you don't need to do much to make it better or more accessible or anything. Keep it at this pace. But you know, a lot of like, the tone has been established. The design has been established. So much of like what this franchise can be is here now. So let's just kind of like build upon it. The structure, the foundation of what this franchise can be is here now. So let us build on it, you know? And I think obviously take as long as you need to fucking take to make this movie fucking cool. I'm not going to rush you. But like, I do think we might be surprised that 
maybe we'll get it a bit sooner than we realize, you know? I hope. I hope. That's my hope, hope. at least. I imagine that, like, if anything, a script for it might already be done, right? Like, or some version, some draft of it is probably already done. Yeah, some draft, some kind of something. Like, even if it's not completely fleshed out, needs to be kind of out there already. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Mike, I'm excited to, uh, much like Dune the franchise, this is the beginning Mm. of our Dune conversations, Mm. because we're going to be back to talk about the original David Lynch Dune on our uh, members-only exclusive feed before we jump into our Sweet Sweet Denis cast, where we cover all the films in Denis Villeneuve's filmography, and we'll be ending with Dune there as well. So we'll be talking more Dune in the future. Definitely when it comes to the best of... At the end of the year, like Dune's going to be coming up again. We're talking talking about about it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's not, uh, you know, we got, we got our initial thoughts out there. We'll be gestating on it more, even, even further into the year. Um, This is not the only podcast on StoryScreen. StoryScreen.com is a host of many podcasts, articles, and reviews. Head over to our website to find the show times for our mom and grop brick and mortar location where we show movies. It's called the movie theater. If you haven't heard uh so check that out uh if you're listening to this the day it airs we still have a bunch of horror movies that we're showing the horror, the beacon horror show continues so please come check out that we have a screen a double scream feature that's approaching fast check that out and we're also ending we're ending the horror show with uh last night in soho right that's like the final yeah they both the, like the last night in soho comes out on the 29th and the scream double feature is on october 29th so yeah that's kind of going through the weekend so Cool. So yeah, if you got some some Halloween juice you're trying to squeeze, we we got you. Um, head over to our members only page. You've heard us talk about it a little bit. You heard us during the ad, but five dollars a month gets you access to a whole bunch of exclusive content. You ha- you heard us already go through the gambit if you're here already, but um, yeah, we have some stuff on there that we're really proud of and and gives us an opportunity to go into really niche topics and and really flex our movie knowledge that I think we have a decent amount of. And uh, speaking of movie knowledge, we have a YouTube channel. Go check that out where we have video essays. Uh, we have video versions of the podcast. If you want to throw on the old TV while you're making the sauce, whatever the fuck you want to do, I'm not going to stop you. Hell yeah. Um, but Mike, thank you so much for, for joining me Thank today. you so much for having me. Of course. I will visit the planet of Arrakis and share each other's moisture anytime. Okay. <laughs> mm. uh, until next time we'll be back with more hot takes who knows what we'll talk about next week uh i think it's gonna be last night in soho probably we'll see we'll talk we'll talk about it until next time bye mike bye robbie